We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app welcome to overnight america with ryan wrecker on kmox sponsored by michael's flooring the flooring experts michaelsflooringoutlet.com Welcome to the third hour of Overnight America. I'm Randy Tobler, pinch hitting for the great Ryan Recker, taking uh, taking a bit of a break, probably like most guys doing his last minute Christmas shopping, or maybe Amazon shopping. I don't know. Is Ryan does, does does Ryan do most of his shopping online or not? It, I've been so disappointed this year that we don't uh, that the malls just don't seem to be alive. They were dying anyway. Retail outlets are struggling. They were struggling anyway. Uh, and uh, online and tech and everything internet connected seems to be the beneficiary of COVID. It's, uh, it's interesting to see what, uh, what our future shopping lives are going to be like in retail, whether bricks and mortar are going to have much survival at all. I think they're going to make a comeback. That's my prediction. I don't know. What's yours? Yeah, after the first break, we'll be talking with Mike Mahon, who is, uh, who is a uh, clinical therapist and host of a podcast, uh, Psych with Mike, talking about uh, stress. You know, I, we've been talking about the vaccine and the virus. There's stress associated with both. My goodness, if your employer says you must get it or else, that's that's compounds the stress. There's the usual holiday stress of prepping and getting all ready and then the letdown afterwards. This year, maybe that's been alleviated to some degree because maybe the prep isn't quite as much if you know that, you know, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle aren't coming over. You don't need to make sure that you could put on the Hallmark thing for everyone. So maybe there's been some mitigation of that stress. But there's one great stress that started relieving itself today, and it had nothing to do with the fact that I got the vaccine at around 3.30, and here we are. Well, what are we, about uh, six hours into it? Well, six and a half hours into vaccine? Thus far, I do not feel any, uh, any ill effects. But I know that my immune system is revving up. And when I get the booster in a month, lo, I may suffer fever and fatigue and a little bit of some flu-like illness, as many do. I will know that that is just my immune system serving me well. Uh, but... Nothing, nothing adverse has happened yet. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Of course, if you ask Nathan if nothing's happened yet, he's my producer tonight. Uh, he'll tell you, well, there's something strange happening tonight, but I don't know. I, I don't know. The palms aren't hairy yet, though, Nathan. 
314-436-7900 is the number. 1-800-925-1120, long distance. I'm going to talk with Michael about the fact that I think I, like many, many Americans, maybe it's just almost universal. I don't know the exact statistics. I've read that uh, the winter blues are the sort of the not the true seasonal affective disorder where, I mean, people can't function. It's, it's, it's like a seasonal depression and people are just really they're down, they're they're lethargic, uh, the energy level goes crazy. I think all of us suffer from some degree as the days get shorter from just a little bit of a, just a little bit of a funk. And, and that's why I always have a lot of fun keeping an eye on uh, as the days shorten and shorten and shorten. I look forward to that winter solstice. Not so that I can put on the uh, the funny robe and go to Stonehenge and act like a druid. No, that that's that that's not why I look forward to the winter solstice. But it's rather because I know that the day after the solstice, it's one second or two or three longer, and then or a minute, and then it gets better and better. And so it's like, can you imagine? Think of all the positive things happening here. It's the day after the winter solstice, we have now the days are lengthening a little bit. The vaccine is beginning to proliferate among us, and it will be a good thing when we can really open up with reckless abandon because we are all um, you know immune and the virus is behind us. That day will come. It's hard to imagine it, but it will come. And, and, and uh, you know, the holiday season, so there's lots of good happening. But I've got to ask him about how to manage SAD for, for people that have variants of that and varying degrees of trouble with the short days. Um, I actually, I haven't even set it up yet. I haven't had time. It's been so busy trying to figure out how we're going to uh, get and administer and, and, and treat, uh, admit the, the vaccine and then treat patients at our hospital. But I, I actually bought a light. And I don't know whether it's a good one or a bad one, but it looked like it was big enough to maybe deliver the goods. And I bought a light. So I'm going to see how that works. But, but uh, Michael will talk with us about that. And, and the psychology of, um, of uncertainty. I guess that's the best way to put it. There's a lot of uncertainty about this vaccine. A lot of people, they may, and you may be among them. You may say, well, I know that masks are not very effective. And I've read some studies. They're not very good. And so I'm not going to wear them. And you, you're solid in that in that, in that in that construct. But a lot of folks I think are ambivalent because, uh, you know, they're, they're asking themselves with uh, perfectly justifiable to ask yourself, am I getting fake news? Is Tobler giving me fake news? Is Ken Remy giving me fake news? Is the AP is Reuters is, is NBC. It, it's almost like in, in the current environment, certainly politically, we have every reason to believe that a lot of what we hear may not be accurate. We've learned that four years of alleged Russian agency on the part of President Trump, right? And we don't, best I can tell, no, no evidence of that. So in that context, how do we manage uncertainty? And how do we at least control it, what it does to us with anxiety? We're going to talk with Michael about that because he's good at, uh, at helping us sort these things out and then helping us um, think our way through maybe a better thought process rather than going down the proverbial rabbit hole and so much hand wringing that you wring your hands so much you don't even need the the alcohol gel to get the COVID off. You've, you've rubbed your hands so raw, wringing them over, should I get the vaccine, shouldn't I get the vaccine? Is it going to give me a third eye? Won't it give me a third eye? I'm not sure what I read. 
So we have to learn to manage that, and, uh, and hopefully he'll help us with that. So let's do that. Let's, uh, let's step aside, and then we'll talk to Michael Mahon after this little break coming up. And, um, and, and maybe take your calls, too. If you're struggling with, um, with SAD, how does it affect you? Because I, if you just think about the way you respond, maybe you have a little shorter fuse than you normally do when a problem presents itself or you're having a, I don't know, there's a disagreement about what you, you're working on a project with someone at work. And normally you'd be able to throw ideas together and sort of, uh, you know, question another idea, point out there may be a problem here. And it's a little shorter fuse. doesn't take as much to ignite you. That may be a symptom of it, irritability. So we'll ask him about what are the symptoms and uh, what can we do to manage that, as well as anxiety and how do we manage that in this very, very crazy, wild, wild world of COVID-19. Randy Tobler in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America on KMOX. Stay there. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Well, welcome back to the program as we discuss the craziness in our mind. And I don't mean that in a condescending way or a, a light way. I mean, the mind can really um, can really rule us to a fault sometimes. And no one better to help us figure out the mind and how it plays with us and how we play with it and how we can maybe tame our mind from time to time than Michael Mahon at Psych with Mike on Twitter. And he's the co-host of a great podcast as well. So... Um, and uh, from time to time uh, is gracious enough to join us. Thanks for doing the late night shift tonight, Michael. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Randy. So listen, I, uh, I, I think we ought to start off with SAD because I am just, you talk about instant turnaround from the doldrums mm-hmm. of shorter and shorter days, just knowing they're get short, they got shorter and uh, waking up in the darkness or the near darkness. And then, um, you know, going to bed in the dark, uh, arriving home in the darkness Man, that that gets to me. I don't. I mean, I'm functional. I I do my job. Everything's fine. But I'm not as, I'm not the normal happy Randy with a bounce in his step. Come October, November. Oh yeah, I enjoy the hunting mm-hmm. season. I get along. But I think I'm like a lot of people. It's a fairly common thing to to be affected negatively by the by the shorter days. No. Oh, absolutely. The good news about seasonal affective disorder is that there actually is an easy fix. And if this works for you, then it's super, super simple. And that's getting something called a light box. So a light box is any box that it doesn't have the UV rays that are harmful, but it has all of the rays in it that mimic sunlight. It has to be over 10,000 lumen. That's what is considered a, a sunlight. And you just have to have that on in a room that you're in within the first hour after you get up because it's actually that light that falls on your retina that resets certain hormone balances. And if that works for you, that can be an absolute game changer. People get those light boxes and they feel younger. They have all kinds of energy and they can't believe something that simple can give them so much more energy. Yeah. And I I guess this is like, like many things, there's probably, um, good, better, and worse, you know, light boxes too. Is there a certain mm-hmm. size it needs to have to, to be effective or, or close or proximity to your eyes or, or not just be around? Yeah. So it's 
any light that is rated as a light box would be anything over 10,000 lumen. And so if okay. you're getting a light that's that powerful, then mm -hmm. it's being specifically built as a light box. Now, of course, obviously, yes, there's some that are better than others, but generally anything that's in that 10,000 lumen uh, category is going to work for you, and you don't have to stare right into it. It just has to be light that's reflective, bouncing off of walls, and it's but it's got to hit your retina, so you've got to have it in your eyes. Again, not looking directly at the light, but so if you're so if you're uh, you let, let, so let's say you get up in the morning and you know it's your habit to either read the paper or do some Bible study mm -hmm. or or you know do uh, do some emails. Just have it just have it hanging out with you while you spend an yeah. hour doing whatever you're doing, or if you're exercising, I guess even right. Absolutely, that's where mine is. Mine is in my gym. So that when I'm on the treadmill in the morning, which is the first thing I do when I wake up, it's right there. And it's across the room, but it's shining in my direction. And I'm not staring mm -hmm. directly at it, but I'm getting that light on my retinas. So now I've, I've read that there's, that there's seasonal affective disorder and there's the winter blues. And I mean, that seasonal affective disorder is really a, a diagnosable, a DSM. What are we up to now in DSM? Five, 10, 20? What are we, DSM Five. six? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Five. Five. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's a, for some people, it's a serious life altering, disabling condition, right? I mean, it's it. What what are the symptoms? How do you know that? What's the difference between? Yeah, I'm a little more irritable. Like, yeah, no, I'm just not as happy and lighthearted. But you know, I'm getting by. I'm doing okay. How about? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people have that. But how about like folks that are despondent and catatonic and you know really non functional? That's a that's a different animal, no? Or is it? That's right. And so the, the, the cutoff there is anything. Are you still with me? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Uh, is anything that starts to cause a problem in your life. So the point at which you go over the line where it's not getting by, where it's starting to affect your work, your social activities, or your school, that's the point at which we start to say this is a clinical thing and it needs to be addressed more aggressively. But again, in, if a light box works, then you're going to get a lot of benefit from that. If the light box doesn't work for you, then my recommendation is that you go talk to a healthcare provider because there are things that you can do to alleviate that. I remember talking with a psychiatrist, um, Oh, a while back, I had a patient who I was I was convinced really had I mean, it's seriously affecting, uh, you know, the, the marital relationship, parenting abilities work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember a psychiatrist telling me, hey, you know, sometimes it takes medical therapy with uh, and you start that sometime in, you know, September, October, whenever the days get shorter, October, I guess, all the way through May. And I thought it was uh, mm -hmm. was it Wellbutrin? I believe it was uh, Wellbutrin or something like that. Have you so heard about Wellbutrin that? that medical is... therapies? Yeah. So Wellbutrin is a psychotropic medication. That means that it works on the brain. It's an antidepressant. But the thing about Wellbutrin is that it actually has a mild stimulant quality to it. And they sell it under the name Zyban as a smoking cessation aid. So Wellbutrin can be something that not only stabilizes and elevates the mood, but also gives you a little pep of energy. And that can work really, really well for people with SAD. Yeah. Okay, so there there is hope. That's that's good to know. Uh, let's let's pivot to something that's been on my mind concerning. I'm I'm noticing an awful lot of anxiety in people that I never previously sensed were anxious. You know, I mean, you can see in people's mannerisms, um, the 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 nonverbal um, communication aspects. 
And folks are just anxious. And not, obviously, I mean, look at the mess we're in. It, whether people are threatened mm-hmm. directly by their job and their contact with the others through their job and they're worried about, well, for instance, in the healthcare industry or in retail or others, my, am I going to get COVID? Am I going to bring it home to my, uh, to my kids and, and family? And on the other hand, the, those, the, social, the social impact, I can't go out to dinner with my wife, or if I do, it's you know, wearing a mask with a hole in it for the straw. It's just not the same. Uh, parents trying to, to, to be teachers when, when kids are home. It is really, really just put, put normal life on its ear for a lot of people. And so anxiety seems to be pervasive. I mean, it, am I over, am I over um, perceiving that or not? Oh, I don't think so at all. And you didn't even mention that right now, you know, with the introduction to the vaccine and people can be on one side of the fence or the other, but you might be anxious about getting the vaccine. You might also be anxious about not being able to get the vaccine soon enough. So, yeah, there's oh, a ton yeah, of anxiety yeah. out there. Yeah, and and then so and in some people's minds, I've I've talked to a number of folks, even even healthcare institutions. In our place, it's about forty percent of the people don't mm-hmm. want the vaccine. And I've heard in other places I've talked to other uh, CEOs tell me their hospitals as, as little as twenty five percent want it. Um, mm-hmm. But but then there's that ambivalent middle that says, well, I think I'll wait a while. But on the other hand. If you're in any kind of, a, of an industry where you can't work remotely and you have to be in contact with people, it has to be eating at you, too. Like you say, like, well, I can't decide whether I want to get it. But all the time, I know I might be taking a little risk. And, and so mm-hmm. that must gnaw at people, too. What's the best way for people to try to cope with anxiety that is, I mean, it's circumstantial, but it's real and it may not go mm-hmm. away soon because we're hearing that there's going to be there's just not enough doses, even though they they're, mm-hmm. they're negotiating another hundred million with Pfizer. So that'd be 300 doses, which is only 150 million people. Um, I don't know. What do people do while they're waiting for things to happen in a positive direction? And they're just worried. Well, you know, I'm talking to a lot of people and I have some people, especially female clients who are saying, well, I heard about this infertility thing. That's been clearly debunked. There is no link between the vaccine and infertility. That was promoted by an ex-Pfizer employee. It's been shown to be no correlation whatsoever. But people hear stuff, and even if it's just a short little blob, blurb, that's written on Facebook, people see that. It gets repeated, and it almost takes on the air of what Stephen Colbert used to call truthiness, where it sounds truthful enough that you start to believe it, and then it starts picking up momentum. So in the, the bottom line is that someday within the next six months, we're going to get to a point where enough people have gotten vaccinated because they want to, that we're going to say, okay, we're going to open up and we're going to be business as usual. And when that time comes, anybody who hasn't been vaccinated is going to be at risk and they're going to have to justify living in that space without the vaccine. But if that's their choice, that's okay. They just have to be willing to deal with what the consequences of that could be. Yeah. Well, and, and as we as we wrap up our conversation with you, because you always give such great great information, there is more polarization now, and we just talked about it in in vaccine acceptance or not, mm-hmm. than I can ever remember in my life. And and of course, I mean, it, it started before Donald Trump. It started Obama. It started even during Bush. You know, um, and I don't know whether it's born out of anonymity through social media or at least not anonymity but you don't have to face the person that you're that you're uh, dissing right 
look them eye to mm-hmm. eye like you used to have to do or get on a phone line and talk to them directly and they can hear your voice. Um, how, how do we manage relationships that are threatened by, you know, even bona fide political differences, differences in vaccine uh, acceptance or not? Any advice there? Because, I mean, there's, there's family relationships that are threatened that are a little rocky. Uh, there are there are marital relationships that are rocky because of you know polarization. I don't know the root cause. I don't know, but how do people at least cope with the symptoms of it at this point and not you know wreck their marriage and their workplace and their and their best friend because their best friend voted for Biden and they were Trump Trump people. I mean, it's crazy what's mm-hmm. going on. Well, we just did a podcast on this because we're seeing this, and so my friend Brett and I, who host the podcast. Uh, wanted to talk about this. And there are two things that we see that have really contributed to this. So number one is the internet. Anybody can have an opinion. Anybody can print that opinion. People see the stuff in print and it takes on the air of truthiness, the air of validity. So people then repeat it. And then the second thing is the advent of MSNBC and Fox News, so now they can be as polarized as they want to be, and people who already have confirmation bias, and confirmation bias is when you seek out information that supports an opinion that you already hold, and the more that people expose themselves solely to one source of information, the more that they become deeply entrenched. So what I encourage people to do is spend at least some time listening to the other side. So if you watch Fox News, Turn on MSNBC. I get it. You don't like it. It's not your cup of tea, but expose your brain to it. And if you find that some of your opinions are softening, that's because those opinions were not as strongly held as you thought. And it's okay to examine that. But unless you expose yourself to the other side's argument, you're never, ever, ever going to know whether what you believe is true or not. Yeah. And, and hopefully when you do hear the other side, even though you may disagree with it, you can at least begin to speak to rather than past the person and, and better yet speak with the person that, uh, that may be on a different side of the fence. Yeah. Good advice. Exactly hey, we're right. out of time. Got to, got to head to a break, but I, I would commend everyone to, to stay in touch with, uh, with Michael Mahon at psych with Mike on Twitter. And, uh, that's the name of the pod. Uh, the, what's the name of the podcast? Isn't that the same psych with Mike? Yeah. Psych with Mike. Yeah, dot com. Great. Hey, Michael, we appreciate you very much. Have a have a merry, merry Christmas and a happy and healthy new year. We'll stay in touch. And Thanks, Randy. Finger on the pulse of what these crazy times are doing to our brains. Man, it's crazy. It's crazy. Thanks yeah, a lot. Merry have a great evening. Okay. Same to you. All right. We'll step aside and then ask you uh, if you're feeling a little anxiety. Are you noticing it around the workplace? And how are you coping with it? If so, 314 314- 436-7900-1-800-925-1120. I'm Tobler, in for Ryan Recker, Overnight America on X. Well, jazzy little Christmas music to bring us back in. 23 till the hour. Where is the time flown? Unbelievable. Hey, did you see where Dr. Deborah Burks announced that she'll retire? She's been canceled. The cancel culture is alive and well. Another casualty of the, uh, the hypocrisy of the elite telling us to do one thing and doing another. 
she, uh, you know, she, she, it came out that she spent uh, some of her Thanksgiving holiday with her extended family coming from different, different places and gathering at one. And so she cited the criticism that her family endured in the wake of that uh, misstep after she had said, you know, you got to really be careful. Don't go and travel. She was doing the, 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 the white house party line on that. And she, uh, she said, I think what was done in the past week to my family, you know, they didn't choose this for me. They've tried to be supportive, but to drag my family into this. So she's going to be supportive in the transition to a Biden administration and then, uh, and then retire. She really has a, a pretty a very illustrious career in, uh, in infectious disease. She's done a lot of international work on that and, uh, you know, quite accomplished epidemiologist. And I think she did a pretty good job. Look, this country, in my opinion, seems to be suffering from a lot of um, gratitude on the one hand, grace and compassion on the other hand, um, and and just the acknowledgement that, my goodness, uh, I, we expect perfection out of our folks. Now, should she have gone traveling after that? No. But did she do a pretty good job and took a lot of heat for what was a very difficult call every day of this pandemic along the way? Put yourself in the position of a newly discovered virus with initial reports of tremendous case fatality rates. And what do you do? Because you know if you make draconian recommendations by shutting things down in an attempt to, to mitigate the spread of it while you know research catches up, therapeutics catch up, vaccine development gets a little, you know, a little pause in the advance of the virus to, to just give it a little time to to cook um every decision in 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 the fog of war and this was this is and was a war against a virus and what it can do can uh, can 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 be mistaken that's why i was glad to see where is this in my pile of prep here where's my oh here it is yeah so on the one hand, you have the resignation of Dr. Burks because she said, look, I just, my family doesn't need to be dragged through this. I don't need to be dragged through this. Okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. And maybe that's the right thing. Maybe it is. And you, you tell me. But my gosh, if, if, all, if any of us get canceled and publicly demeaned and denigrated because of a mistake, even a hypocritical one, I'll bet. You don't have to call me and admit it, but I'll bet that we've all been guilty of a hypocritical mistake, something that was not well thought out that may have harmed others. It's sort of that old um, splinter in the eye parable, right? Or cast the first stone, uh, you know, pick whatever you want in a biblical sense. Um, I live in the largest of glass houses. Be quiet, Mr. Producer. I don't need to hear in my ear that validation of that. My wife's sitting over here listening to the program tonight, and she's nodding graciously. Thank you, hon. It's wonderful. But I do. And that's why I always, I'm always trying to, to avoid the quick gotcha when someone makes a goof. And I'm especially admiring of government officials and people in positions of power, like General Gustav Perna, who come out and say, I owned it, I made a mistake, we're going to rectify this and get it better, but I own it. You may have seen this story. General Gustav Perna, 
who is uh, the Operation Warp Speed Logistics Chief, the guy that's supposed to make sure that the vaccine gets to where it's supposed to get or the therapeutics get to where they're supposed to get in the most efficient way to the most people who need it the most, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a position of maximum efficiency generation, right? And he said Saturday, by way, he apologized for, to states for shipping fewer Pfizer COVID vaccine doses than expected. And, uh, you know, close collaboration between government and private industry, uh, as the Wall Street Journal writes, has made a vaccine available in record time and is proving essential to, to distribution logistics. And, you know, there's been over 600,000 doses of the Pfizer vaccine given. Don't yet have stats on how much Moderna vaccine has been given. But, you know, things are, things are accelerating. Not to the extent that we hoped. Not the extent that maybe even could have, would have, even should have. But let's give credit where credit due is due. And yet, he's not taking any credit. And in fact, he's taking blame for what was the failure of maybe a superlative, zenith. Uh, what's the other word? I mean, the, the, the highest accomplishment. And, and so it fell a little short. But he said execution is where we learn and we adapt it accordingly. And it is refreshing for a government official to resume responsibility for a mistake. Oh, that Governor Cuomo, instead of writing a self-aggrandizing book and getting an Emmy Award, would have said as much. It's like, whoa, did I ever goof? I'm sorry to you families of the nursing home fatalities that resulted when we brought infected patients back into the nursing homes. I don't know what has happened to our grace and our compassion and our and our realization that we all make good faith errors. It happens. And a bad faith error is not an error, it's a, it's a it's a it's an injustice against someone or something. It's not even an error. I don't know, that's my opinion. I'd like to know yours. Do you think that there is any how are we I want to understand how we're going to and how you personally plan to, if you do, if you think there's too much cancel culture, too much calling out of someone for someone when they're a teenager that did something on Twitter or wrote something on Facebook that looking back looks ridiculous. Heck, I heard they even, what are they trying to cancel John Wayne now, right? At what point are we going to come to our senses in this country and, and realize that, hey, there but by the grace of God go I. And in fact, maybe I have gone there. <laughs> and does that apply to everyone? And maybe we should think about those kind of things before we're so quick to criticize. Not that criticism isn't justified and not that Dr. Burke shouldn't have been, you know, resoundingly said, hey, that's hypocritical. Bad move. But on the other hand, uh, you know, thank you for all the great work you've done on this. 314-436-7900. Jump on the line. Let me know what you think. 1-800-925-1120. I'm Randy Tobler, at Randy Tobler MD on Twitter. In for Ryan Recker on Overnight America on KMOX. Hi, this is Charlie Brennan. On behalf of my wife, Beth, my son, Charlie, my daughter, Lindley, we'd like to wish you and your family the best of this holiday season and keep it on 1120. Happy holidays from KMOX.
Well, we're back on Overnight America. Let's talk to Mike on line one. Hey, thanks for hanging on through the break, Mike. What's on your mind? Hey. Well, nice to hear you on the radio, buddy. Um, <laughs> Great to be here. Yeah. Um, well, you ended the last segment at about 1030 with how are you handling this mentally? And then you follow up with the next one about Dr. Burke dropping the ball. I, my wife and I was talking about it the other day. It's like, man, there's no almost nobody you can count on anymore. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, every time you turn the radio on or the TV on, somebody's being uh, more or demoralized, you know. And like you're saying, these people have to do the best they can. But um, who can I believe? Who can I trust? And that's I think there's yeah. a lot of Americans feeling that way right now. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I mean, it's it's a tough thing because I've always thought that this is the genius of the American political system and small small R republicanism, right? We're we're a constitutional republic, and I think somehow the founders realized that when it comes to governing us, and that's what most of the conversation about hypocrisy is. I mean, we don't, you know, you don't hear too much conversation about oh my doctor, I caught my doctor smoking, or you know that kind of hypocrisy, but. It's largely in the political realm. And and I think it's it's probably true that when folks get power, you know how they say power can corrupt absolutely and absolute, well, power can corrupt and then absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think that people may just get a little out of touch as they climb that ladder of power and influence and jurisdiction. Not that they consciously do that, but I think it just tends to happen, which is why I've always advocated keeping keeping as much governance and control of your life at arm's length at the local, at the smallest governmental subdivision that you can, because you can touch and feel and, and get to know those people. Right. And they can, and that way you you know better uh, what the policy decisions are. And then you can decide whether you agree with that and and change it. But I think these people probably get to where they almost just, uh, they're, they're living in this ethereal bubble and, and they just, think that maybe they're immune from from the same laws that the rest of us have to live by and the same guidelines and rules. I don't know. Well, they it's, dropped it's the ball on the election. And that's just, my, you know, in my, I'm coming 60 years old, and I don't know if I can ever remember anything in my lifetime that was so sad that they just dropped the ball on this election. I mean, well, I don't know just, who's, well, who's a, they, who, who's they? Who's they? Government. Government. They, how, how did they drop the ball? What, what, well, how do you make that judgment? Well, I mean, apparently there's a lot of indiscretion with it. The Republicans are out there saying they knew it was coming and they couldn't do nothing about it. And I, that's, just, that's just the way I'm looking at it. It's just like, yeah. really? You know, I, I, is- there's, there's two elements about this election that troubled me. I wonder, wonder about you. And, and one is the fact that when you mail ballots and make it easy to vote, I mean, just make it incredibly easy to to mark a ballot and to cast a vote. You're 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 del- you're oh man, you're inviting folks to to make important judgments with a very special privilege called the voting right in America. And I think you're inviting in an, a, a, a more or less uninformed group of people compared to if they had to make an effort to go to the poll or get a formal absentee ballot. And I think that was the first misstep 
that whether you're on the right or the left, I think we would all hope that our fellow citizens would be well-informed about the policies, the proposed policies of the various candidates, and have been able to then take that and think it through. And what are the consequences if those policies get enacted on me, my country, my family, my community, and the world, for that matter? And I just think we uh, we we diluted the. And I don't. Boy, this can sound elitist, can't it? But I, that's not what I'm at here. It's about it's about making it easy to just say, well, I just heard a commercial that uh, they want to give away college uh, for tuition for everyone and uh, and free health care and free uh, everything. You know, hey, sounds pretty good to me. And maybe that person has no clue on what that may do to the debt or they really haven't studied that. And I don't hold that against them. But is that really a wise input into the governance decisions? So that was the first problem I had with the massive mail-in voting under the guise of COVID, COVID. And the second is the fact that there were fraudulent votes. There were dead people that voted. There were people double voting. And, and it happens to some extent in every election. But there's reasonable reporting that it happened more in this election. Whether or not that reached the threshold to change the election, I, I don't know whether we'll ever know the answer to that. Well, the problem is that it's have been uh, politicians have been telling us stuff forever, making promises, but that never ever made such a mess of the election like they did this year. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it was anything a, that, it was anything something, that the government is running seems to fail, and they just couldn't get this right. And in a time yeah. when we really needed them to get something right, it just seems like they dropped the ball. Yeah. Which is why the founders limited the powers of the central government, because they realized that when you are governing at this point, now at that, when the, when the Constitution was, was uh, passed and was formulated and then, um, you know, ratified, there weren't near as, we weren't near as populous a nation. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. But um, think about it. How can the individual interactions and the collective effect of those reactions and interactions among 330 million people be in any way, shape, or form, how could you expect 535 elected official, nine people in robes, and a president and a vice president, and a entrenched bureaucracy thousands of, you know, thousand miles away to be able to predict how a policy is going to impact 330 million people who live in different geographies, with different cultures, different aspirations i don't know if you've ever seen have you ever seen the 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 brilliant um explanation of why america and the free market has always been an ideal held highly by uh, by those of us who who i think respect the fact that we know what's best for ourselves you and you and me when we do business rather than someone else, unless they have to, because you and I can't defend our borders, we can't fight wars, we can't print a currency, and we can't, between ourselves, settle our disputes all the time. So we need a court system to enforce our contracts and adjudicate our differences. But other than that, there was a brilliant example of why um, you have to be careful about overarching you know, um, government control of our lives even if it comes adorned with all kinds of bright, shiny frills and baubles and bangles and beads. And that was a famous uh, little thing uh, explained by Milton Friedman, famous Austrian economist. 
And he talked about what it takes to put a pencil together. And in those days, I think this was in, it was either late seventies, early eighties. And it was about, it was just a little parable of how intricate something as simple as a pencil are the inputs into a pencil with a rubber eraser on top and a little brass binding, you know, between the wooden part of the pencil, which encases the lead. If you get a chance on YouTube, in fact, I'll, I'll tweet it out um, at the top of the hour break. And, and, and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll do some open lines then and uh, take your comments on it. But basically he says, how could we expect a few very smart people to put that pencil together when the inputs come from all over the world and have to be assembled and deliver a pencil to you for a nickel? Even smart people dictating that from the top would have a hard time doing it. I'm Randy Tobler on Overnight America. In for Ryan Recker. We'll be back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 